Thanks, brother. And uh, welcome again this morning to, um, to our service. Um, what a beautiful song that we read. Uh, so we, we were listening to now beautiful songs that we heard this morning. Uh, unmoved, unshaken. You know, songs like that. Unmoved, unshaken. Uh, songs like He's a Good Father. Um, some, songs like Love So Undeniable. So, so undeniable. You know, uh, they're the kinds of things that I think uh, draw our hearts even closer and closer to the Lord. And and I pray this morning that that's what happens to you, that you draw, your heart is drawn closer and closer to the Lord. Because I guess the truth is this, um, you, you, know, you know where you are when it comes to your relationship with God. You know, you know where you are. And I really want to welcome you this morning to this service. Uh, I pray that the songs already have uh, moved in your hearts and perhaps even stirred your hearts to uh, be thinking about where you are with God, you know, where you are with God. It's a really interesting phrase, you know, where you are with God. Where's your relationship with God? And I pray the songs are already are just kind of stirring in your heart and just making you think a little bit about that because we don't play church, do we? We don't, we don't come to church to play church. We don't sort of say, oh, it's Sunday morning. Let's go to church because that's what Christians do. You know, we don't play church. We have fellowship together. And uh, that's what I really want this morning. I want it to be fellowship together. I've got a passage I'm going to share with you this morning and, and I, I sort of... Um, don't even know how much I'm going to get through of this passage. I kind of have a, a plan, an idea, um, but definitely too much for this morning. And if God wills, I'll, it'll spill over to, to next week. But I just want a fellowship together. I want the Lord to speak to your hearts. I want you to be reflective of what God is trying to say to you, that you don't just play church this morning, that your heart is open this morning to say, God, what is it that you're actually trying, trying to say? Because, you know, I guess very simply, we, we love you. As a church, we love you. We, 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 we love you because we, we want so much for you to um, know more and more of God's love and more and more of God's salvation for you. So we, we sincerely love you and we want, we want, the, best, we want the best for you. Um, I pray this morning that's what you hear. You hear a heart of love and you hear, most importantly, God's, God's love. Uh, for, for you as well. So if something encourages you this morning or, or um, uh, you, you, you have questions about this morning's message, um, please text me during the week. Uh, I'd love to hear your encouragement as well. Uh, it encourages me to hear your encouragement. Um, text, me, text me during the week. And, um, or if, if you've got a question about this morning's message, uh, please, again, Again, um, you know, text me and ask me. Ask me any questions that you might have about this morning and, and very, very happy to, to try and help and to try and answer, answer you. Um, so I want to pray for us as a church. I want to pray this morning. Um, I want to pray that, um, that your hearts are stirred this morning, that we don't, we don't play church this morning, that your hearts are opened. Um, I know like, like me, I'm sure there are many who just want to get back together again, but we've got to do things well. Uh, we've got to do things right. And, um, but God willing, it'll be soon. So I want to pray for us. I know you're home. Some of you are feeling, you know, feeling the, the idea of just, you know, just over the whole isolation thing. Uh, but hang in there. Hang in there. Uh, and let's keep, um, let's keep holding on until that time we can go, come back together. So let's pray together. Let's pray this morning. Let's ask the Lord's blessing upon his word uh, to us that our hearts are really open to hear what God has to say uh, to us in his word. Father God, I want to thank you this morning for the opportunity to share your word. Father, I am really, I'm really nothing, Lord. I'm just simply a tool in your hands, a vessel in your hands. I'm earthen vessel. And I pray this morning that the, um, the glory 
uh, may go back to you, that you hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus, and that uh, what people see and what people hear is the truth from heaven. Father, I pray that um, our hearts are open this morning not to pretend or to play or, or to think that this is kind of what we do, but, Father, that we would fellowship with each other and that we would fellowship with you. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit work in my heart and through me. Speak to me, Lord, and speak to my brothers and sisters and speak to all those that are here today, listening and, more importantly, who are ready to receive your precious word. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness. I pray for those in the church at the moment that are really struggling, Lord. Father, you know them, struggling in their hearts, struggling in their minds, struggling with their souls. You know who they are, Father. And I really pray that you just lift them up, that you would strengthen them, that you would make your beautiful presence known to them. And, Lord, we just continue to pray your hand be upon this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, so apparently, apparently um, there are lots of different mannerisms that the church has, and uh, um, and it's it's a, a beautiful thing to sometimes just reflect on yourself. You know, to reflect on yourself and to think to yourself, uh, who are you? Who are you as a person? You know, who are you as a person? I think if you um, don't really do that sometimes, and I'm not talking about the external mannerisms, of course. I'm talking about now the state of the heart. If you don't actually reflect on yourself, uh, I don't think you really can grow. You know, if you keep denying who you are as a person, if you keep saying things like, I'm a good person, I do good things, you know, I'm okay, I'm not that bad. In fact, the Bible kind of talks about that as being blind. Did you know that? Sort of speaks about it as being blind. Uh, you can see, you can see, but you're actually blind. You're actually blind in your, in your heart. And in fact, what's really sad is the Bible says in, I think it's 2 Corinthians, it says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. He's blinded the minds. In other words, there is a state of heart and mind that people can't actually see truth because the enemy, the devil, has blinded their minds. So when people say, I see, I see, I can see things, I know what things look like, I can understand things. In fact, God very, almost probably with a very sad heart says, you're blind. The fact you say you see shows me you're blind. And um, until we come to a realisation that we actually are blind, we are actually blind and that we actually can't see there's nothing in us that can see. In fact, we need the, God, the grace of God to open our eyes and to actually be able to see the truth of God because it's the truth that sets us free. And until we see that, we kind of sit in a sense of comfortability about who we are as people. And this morning, I pray that you're able to get out of your comfortability and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to fight the way I should be fighting life and not fight against God. In fact, I want to encourage you this morning to stop fighting God. That's right. Stop fighting God. Stop fighting your creator. Because every time you resist to surrender, every time you resist to submit, every time you think to yourself, I can see, I'm okay, you continue to fight God. And when you continue to fight God, you will never know truth, the truth that sets you free. You're going to continue to be bound and never experience true salvation. You won't know peace. You won't know rest. You'll probably know more of anxiety. You'll probably know more of stress. You'll probably more, 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 know more of distress. You'll know more of these things because you're fighting against God. And I want to encourage you this morning to stop fighting God because it's fascinating. You can have truth looking you in the face. 
In fact, you could be staring truth in the face and you can say, I don't believe it. I don't want it. You know, because you're fighting God. The fight is within you. The fight is in your heart. And you can't, you've got to stop doing this. There has to come to a point where you relinquish control. You give up control and you say, God, once and for all, I am yours. And you know what's beautiful about this? It doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 10, you could be 20, you could be 50, you could be 100. It doesn't really matter how old you are. You can come to a place where you say, God, that's it. I completely surrender and I stop fighting against you because I want my eyes to be able to see. If you hold on thinking you see and your heart and your life doesn't align with your faith, in other words, you still dabble in your sin and you still do things that you shouldn't be doing, but you say you believe, you think you see, then I'm telling you the chances are that you are blind. You are blind. You don't see until you come to a place and you go, what am I, is this, is this faith? This, I, I say I believe, I go to church, I go to church, I say I believe, and yet my heart is still not like Jesus. It's still far from Jesus. It still continues to sin. It continues, bad things still come out of my mouth and bad thoughts keep into being entertained in my mind. You know, is, is this what Jesus is? It's not right. It's not right. And so this morning, I want you to stop fighting God and come to a place where God, you say, God, I surrender. Now, you know, some people are going to think and going to say to you, well done, fantastic. They're going to be encouraged by you. Other people, listen carefully, other people are not going to understand. Because they don't understand, they're going to make fun of you. Did you know that? Even your friends. Young people, if you go to school and you say, I'm a Christian and I see and I believe and you want to live like Jesus, you know what? Unfortunately, they're going to be some at school. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to maybe hate you. They're going to maybe laugh at you. Maybe they're even going to swear at you. Whatever it might be. It was my experience at school. When I was in high school, that was my experience. I don't, the world hasn't changed. It's going to be your experience. But I tell you, there is a joy. There is a great, great joy knowing that you stood for Jesus. Stand for Jesus. Don't fight against God. Fight with God, if you like. Fight for the good fight of faith. Let your faith be the thing that you fight for rather than fighting against God. And therefore, what ends up happening is you start to experience that, that beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace, yeah? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Why is, why is grace so amazing? And how, why is it so sweet? Why is the sound so sweet? Because it saved a wretch like me. Wow. You might say, oh, but Barry, hang on, Barry, you're not a wretched man? You're not wretched? What are you talking about? <laughs> the truth is, number one, you don't know me. Number two, when I sin against my Lord, when I sin, when I sin against my Lord, for sure I'm wretched. For sure, you, you, is God is God a God of balances? Does He say you did more good things than bad things? Therefore, you're okay. Of course not. When we sin against God, one sin we spit in His face. And for sure, we are wretched. And so He saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That becomes listen. It doesn't become a classic. It becomes your song. That's what the song is meant to be. It becomes your song. It becomes a song you can sing, not because it feels nice. Oh, this feels really good. Amazing grace. But it becomes your song. It becomes a song in your heart that you say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I can hear the sound because I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see i can actually see now so when someone says to me you know who, who are you say i'm a christian why are you a christian because i was lost and now i'm found yeah i was blind and now i can see oh wow so you were tell me what's that blindness look like well i tell you the truth that blindness is dark and it's hopeless it's dark and it's hopeless 
It doesn't give me much to look forward to. It allows me to play with life, but it doesn't allow me to live life. You know, when we buy houses, we go on holidays, we buy cars, the most recent car, the most recent phone. You know what we're doing? You know really what we're doing? We're actually playing life. That's what we're doing. We're playing like a Monopoly game. We're playing life. At the end of the day, the board game is going to end. And at the end of the day, you're guaranteed to lose because you're playing life. You're not living life. And God doesn't want you to play life. He didn't make you and put you on this earth to play life. He made you on this earth to live life. And he wants you to live life. So you need to stop fighting God. You need to live life. You need to allow yourself to come to a place of absolute surrender to him where no matter what people say, you declare by the word of your testimony that Jesus Christ lives forever. And that because he's living in your, in your heart and he's, and he's abounding in, in your heart. So this morning, I want to share a testimony of a man in the Bible that for some reason God chose, God chose to spend a lot of time on this man. Now, my memory says there isn't too many stories in the Bible that spend so much time on one man or one woman. Yeah, uh, there isn't too many stories. But what I love in the scriptures, what I love throughout the scriptures and throughout the New Testament, all these interactions that Jesus has with people, all these encounters that Jesus has with people, it's remarkable. If you, if you were just to study the encounters of Christ with people, it would blow your mind away. Not just what happened, but why it happened. Why did Jesus go to this person, not that person? Why did Jesus pass this place and go there? Why did Jesus interact with him and not her or her and not him? It's fascinating to actually think about and reflect. But when Jesus does encounter someone, generally the story is it blows your mind away because of what Jesus is able to do. And in this story we're going to read today, it's one of the longer ones. It's one of those stories that the Bible, for some reason, the Holy Spirit, for some reason, decides to spend a lot of time on. And because he spends a lot of time on it, I want to unpack this chapter with you. That's why this, it, it, it's just not going to be possible to actually try and cover it all in one, one message. It might be two messages. It might be three messages, however long it is, however long. But I want to really unpack this man's testimony because it's a wonderful thing to experience the hand of God. And your testimony is your experience with God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And so this morning, I don't want you to be thinking about someone else's testimony. I don't want you to be thinking about this man in the Bible uh, as, as, that, as is, that's the only man we're studying. Or I don't want you to think about someone in the church and think, oh, wow, her testimony is amazing or, or um, his testimony is amazing. In fact, tonight we'll hear another testimony. You know, praise God, we heard testimony a couple of weeks ago and it was really encouraging to hear your words of encouragement to us and uh, my wife and my daughter. And that was beautiful to listen to their testimony and how God is working in them. And tonight we'll hear another testament, testimony as well too from our brother. But this is what, what we're hearing is God working in people's lives. And this is a man today who one day, if he could, if he was able to, he'd stand up and he would share this testimony. In fact, this passage here, he's, he's asked to share his testimony three times. It's, it's amazing. He's asked three times to share his testimony and still people wouldn't believe. And so this morning, I want you to listen to this man and think to yourself, are you him? Are you this man? Or are you those who just chose not to believe? Are you those who fought against God or are you fighting the good fight of faith? This is a beautiful story of where God shows himself to be for man. You know, the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Isn't that beautiful? If God is for us, who 
can be against us. This man began to experience how God was for him. Nobody was going to become against him. Even though three times he was asked for his testimony, he was challenged. He was like argued with and he stood his ground. He stood his ground because it was amazing grace, how sweet the sound. He couldn't deny that Jesus had touched his heart and touched his life. Jesus took him from a hopeless, dark position to a place of life. This man stopped playing life. This man started living life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Beloved, why do I share this with you this morning? Because I love you. I love you. I don't want you to play church. I don't want you to believe something because it's convenient. I want you to believe something because it's genuine. What do I mean by that? I don't want you to believe something because it's convenient. In other words, I don't want you to believe something because, you know, it's what you've always believed. And maybe you grew up in this particular religion. It's always what you've believed. Or maybe you've come to our church and you've understood something and now you believe what we believe as a church, but it's convenient. You just believe it. If I ask you a question about our faith as a church, you're able to answer it. You're, you're very articulate in how you answer what we believe as a church, but it's still convenient because no one challenges you. At the end of the day, I don't want it to be convenient, brothers and sisters. I want it to be genuine. I want you to come to this fellowship Believe what you're being taught because you know why? It's changing your heart and it's setting you free from your sin. You understand that? It's setting you free from your sin. You understand that your faith and your life align. That when you have pain, you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you find rest. That when you are tempted, you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you find freedom. These are the things that as a church we want you to experience. We don't want you just to believe it and say, I believe it. Your faith can't be just convenient. It has to be genuine. And do you know when sometimes you know it is convenient is when you come and you, you might share with me something and I say, but hang on a second. If you believe this, why are you living like this for? And you might get convicted or you might get challenged. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing because you don't want your faith to be one of convenience. You want it to be one of genuineness. You want it to be genuine. You want people to see that your faith in Christ is causing you to live a life that is like Jesus. You say to me, I can, are you telling me I can live like Jesus? Absolutely. This is the call of Christians to live like Christ. Beloved, listen, not walking water. That's not what I'm talking about, walking on water. I'm talking about the ability to love and, and to forgive and to care for and to, and to live life in obedience to the Father. That's what I'm talking about because too many Christians fill churches and they don't know what experience what it, what the experience is like to live like Jesus and so they go through their whole life maybe even deceived and they come to the end of their life and they think that they're Christians but they're not remember the people Jesus spoke about in the Bible people said oh but Lord you you, you spoke in our streets uh, you were with us and, and and like it's like you were you were um, hanging around with us we knew you and Jesus says I never knew you because you practice lawlessness by memory is what he said to them. Because you practice lawlessness. Your faith and your life do not align. Please, brothers and sisters, please let's stop playing church. Let's be genuine in our faith. Let's not be convenient in our faith. And let's fight the good fight of faith and stop fighting God. There needs to be a place of surrender. And this man, this man highlights this to us. So let's go to John chapter 9. If you turn your Bibles to John chapter 9, and we're going to see... Um, a beautiful story of a man's testimony, a man who was blind, a man who was blind. And, uh, and, and he, he, came and had a he came and had interaction with Jesus. He came and had an encounter with Jesus. And this encounter with Jesus 
caused his life to turn around. You've got to think about something quite remarkable. This man woke up in the morning, went off going about his own business of begging because that's what he did. He, 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 um, he, he begged for a living because he was blind. When you were blind in those days, life wasn't very good. I mean, life's still not very good for those who are blind today. It's still very hard. But particularly in those days, life was incredibly difficult if you were blind. If you were blind, most, almost certainly you couldn't earn a living. If you couldn't earn a living, almost certainly you were begging. I suspect that hygiene wasn't great. I suspect that you probably didn't have many friends as well. You weren't up with the Joneses. You weren't people, you weren't sort of living life like everyone else. I suspect you were probably, uh, people would walk past you and wouldn't care if they saw you and they'd trip over you or kick you or say, get out of the way. I suspect life was pretty demoralizing. That we know he was a beggar. We know he couldn't earn a living, but I suspect it was more than just a beggar. And the Lord Jesus came and interacted with this man. His life was dark, he was blind, and his life was hopeless. If I ask you for a moment just to even close your eyes, if I ask you to close your eyes this morning and just imagine life living like with your eyes closed. Imagine living life with your eyes closed. Imagine living life. Imagine going and, and having a shower or having dinner or, 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 or meeting your, your parents or meeting your children and you couldn't see them and never able to see them from birth. This man was born blind from birth. Imagine the state of hopelessness or darkness and no one looked out for him. He was begging. He was begging. And this is a beautiful story of how, how God has come and interacted with this man and set this man free, given him hope and given him life. So he stopped playing life and he started living life. But you know what? You look at this man and think, oh, poor man. Listen, it's more than just poor man. This man is me. This man is you. If you don't surrender your life to Jesus Christ, there is a blindness. If you don't give your life to Jesus Christ, there is a blindness that can overcome you. And I pray this morning that you're able to see and examine your heart uh, with this man. You're able to examine your heart with this man and see just re how remarkable the Lord Jesus Christ worked in his life and how remarkably he can work in your life as well. So it's a really long chapter. I'm not going to read it all this morning. I'm just going to read bits at a time and I'm going to share with you. But I would love to cover this chapter. I would love to cover this chapter over this week and next or maybe even a third week, whatever whatever happens. And so, so let's um, just trust the Lord for his leading, his leading with us in that. So this man was, this man was a man born blind. Uh, like I said, he was begging and, and he's all of a sudden he interacts with Jesus. I'll give you a little summary. He interacts with Jesus. Jesus heals this man. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Jesus heals this man, <laughs> but that's okay because his life then begins and his life begins. But it's interesting because his first ex um, experiences of life are challenges. He gets challenged by his neighbors. He gets um, uh, um, embarrassed. His parents become embarrassed by him or scared, scared because of the situation. And then he gets challenged by the Pharisees who are the religious leaders. But in all this, Jesus comes and looks out for him. Jesus comes and cares for him because if God is for us, who can be against us? And so this man had a battle. This man had a fight. And his fight was going to be for God. He wasn't going to fight against God. He was going to fight for God. He was going to fight the good fight of faith because he had been changed by the Lord. If you've just become a Christian recently, if you've just become a Christian recently, then I would encourage you, start the good fight of faith. Not everyone's going to like it. Some people might already have opposed you. You might already have felt discouraged, but fight the good fight of faith and stop fighting God. If this morning you experience in your heart a darkness or a hopelessness or a sense of just playing life, then I pray stop fighting God. 
start stop fighting the truth of God and start surrendering to the truth of God because in this you will experience salvation you will experience the salvation of God the freedom from sin the peace that comes from Jesus the rest that comes in him the battle beloved the battle is not an external one the battle is the battle of the heart the battle of the mind and God is fighting for you in fact he fought for you the best possible way did you know that he fought for you the best possible way he sent Jesus to come and suffer and die on the cross for your sins he fought for you and if God is for you, who can be against you? He's on your team. And your team is always going to win in Christ because he is for you. And who can be against you? So when the enemy comes and whispers and says, whoa, this battle I'm fighting, it's a losing battle. No, if Jesus is on your team, if God is for you, who can be against you? You stand in victory when the devil whispers and says, you will never stop that sin. You say, no, in Jesus' name, he's my Lord and my Savior and you will overcome because if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. This is the victory we have in Jesus. You know, when I was little, um, maybe teenage, young teenage years, um, the series, the Rocky series came out. All right. I know I'm a bit of a Rocky fan, you know, and, uh, I don't know. There's probably I'm actually, I know there are some who might be listening this morning that are Rocky fans as well. Uh, but the Rocky series came out. Every time Rocky came out, I went and watched Rocky and, uh, I found them fascinating. I loved them as a young boy. I, I used to get inspired by Rocky yesterday. I made my own, I made my own punching bag in my garage. You know, I filled a bag up with sand and I just went, you know, I was really enthusiastic. I was a, a Rocky fan, a Rocky fan. But when you watch Rocky, when you watch Rocky, the, um, you'll find that his battle, it's a very, it's a very uh, expected theme yeah, throughout the movies. You find his battle was often a battle before the match. It wasn't necessarily the match itself. It wasn't the actual fight itself. His battle was often the fight before the battle. You know, maybe his wife died or his coach died or, or, or something happened. And, and it was a mind battle. And sometimes he couldn't train because his mind was distracted. And people would say, wake up, Rocky. Come on, you've got to get focused. And so often his story, his story was the battle before the fight. I think, oh, wow, that's, that's just life, isn't it? That's just life. You know, God's got the fight organized. He's, he knows what he's doing. But often the battle is how you're fighting it, how you're battling it, how your mind, the state of your heart and the state of your mind, because you might be distracted. You might be loving the world. You might be loving possessions. You might be thinking too highly of yourself. You might be doubting a lot. You might be doubting the word. And so often these battles happen because they happen in the heart and the mind. And what we've got to do is we've got to be able to come before the Lord and say, Lord, this is who I am. I'm in you. I need you. And to have ourselves focused and and fix upon the Lord because when we do that we see victory in our lives the fight becomes a victory for us but I encourage you this morning in your heart of hearts stop fighting God stop fighting God when someone says this is sin give it up when someone says this is wrong give it up lay it down stop denying stop saying to yourself oh look it's okay it's not that bad it's only a little sin no give it up let your life reflect Christ can you imagine Jesus saying to his disciples, imagine Peter coming up to him and saying, Jesus, what did you do that for? And Jesus saying to Peter, it's only a little sin. you imagine that? You'd say, hang on, there's something wrong here. Why? Because it's Jesus. But when it comes to a Christian, we say, oh, it's okay. No, your faith can't be one of convenience. It has to be genuine. The Bible makes something very, very clear. We are, we are called to be conformed into the image of Jesus. You may think, oh, forget it. I can never do this. <laughs> That's right. You can't. I can't. 
I can't do this unless I find myself in a place of surrender and saying, Lord, I can't do this. And I come and I surrender my heart to you, Lord, and I trust in your word and your word alone. And that word works in my heart and I find myself being set free from sin because I myself stop loving myself and I start loving God. And if people mock me, they mock me. And if people don't understand me, they don't understand me. And if people make fun of me, I think, Lord, this is to train me. This is to train me, to train me into greater holiness. And I don't become defensive. Are you someone who becomes defensive easily? Do you become defensive easily? When someone, when a trial comes your way or when a person annoys you or a person says something, do you become defensive easily? Do you get annoyed easily? This is, this is not their problem. Yes, it is their problem, but it's more your issue. This is here to train you. If you're a Christian, let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, these things are here to train you. They're training you to become like Christ. Count it all joy, my beloved, if you fall into various trials. These are here to train you into more like Christ. If these battles, you can't overcome these battles. Imagine when the world comes against us and to the point of wanting to kill you for your faith. And you can't cope with a little, a little bit of gossip against you. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. When I fail, I come to him and I say, Lord, give me strength because I believe in my heart he's come to help me overcome everything. And I believe by faith that's what he'll continue to do in my life because this is the call of Jesus to set me free from blindness to be able to see him more and more clearly. This man, this man was a story of amazing grace, a story of amazing grace. And a man who showed us the beautiful truths of Jesus. And so this morning I pray, I'm just going to share a few verses with you. Um, and I pray that you're encouraged, encouraged by God's word and what happens to this man. So chapter 9 in John, uh, verse. let's read verses one, uh, 1 to 3 to start with. The Bible says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, it's fascinating. Again, I'm going to stop from time to time, but we'll get through a few verses this morning. But I want to stop from time to time. Not only was this man blind, not only was he a beggar, probably a social outcast, but it was very possible in those days when someone was born blind, the, the gossip or the rumours were, Ah, oh, someone must have sinned, him or his parents. So you can imagine that, you know. Imagine someone walking past this man and possibly saying things like, ah, sinner, you sinned from your birth, you sinned before, some, or your parents sinned. I know your Imagine the humiliation, okay. So the disciples, if that was happening, the disciples were curious. They said, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents? I think personally... This is a beautiful picture of what happens in the church today where Christians get things a little bit wrong. Okay? They get things a little bit wrong. Did you know, let me give you a bit of a theology class, like a 30-second theology lesson. Did you know, maybe one minute, okay. Do you know when God created this earth, everything was perfect, wasn't it? Perfect. God looked at this earth on the sixth day and said, it is very good. Amen? It is very good. He looked at everything and saw it beautiful. Man was beautiful. Woman was beautiful. Earth, trees, stars, sky, everything beautiful. Nothing damaged. Nothing, nothing defiled. Nothing tainted with sin. Everything was beautiful. And on the seventh day, God rested. It was beautiful. 
Then sin came, didn't it? Adam and Eve sinned and sin came. Did you know theologically, we know when the Bible teaches us, what happened in that time is that the earth and all everything in it became damaged because of sin. Did you know that? All of a sudden the earth groaned. All of a sudden man died. All of a sudden we were in, infected, if you like, with sin. And so all of a sudden things began to happen. There was no death before the fall. Uh, earth was not damaged before the fall. But now what we see is a damaged world. And I'll tell you something very, 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 very simply. And I, I, I've been thinking about these issues a bit lately. And maybe God willing, one day God will give me uh, the capacity to share with you the biblical perspective on mental health and the Bible. Because I think it's really, really important that Christians understand this very clearly. When the, the, the physical pain and the emotional pain of men and women is a general result of the fall, it is. But it may not be the direct result of someone's sin. Does that make sense? It's the general result of the fall because things happen to us. Things happen to our body. Things happen to our mind as a result of the general fall because we live in a fallen world. But is this man like this because he sinned? Not necessarily. Is this woman going through this experience because of her sin? Not necessarily. It may not be the direct result of someone's sin although it is always the general result of the fall. Does that make sense? And God willing, we'll unpack that one day. We'll unpack that and talk about mental health and what the Bible says. But the disciples really kind of did the same thing. They said to Jesus, did this man sin or his parents? Because he's born blind. He has a physical ailment. It could be a physical ailment. It could be a mental health ailment. It could be an emotional ailment. He said, they're asking him, did this man sin or his parents sin? Now, Jesus could have easily clarified and said, yeah, I want to tell you something, it was him. Or he could have said, yeah, I want to tell you something, his mum, she did this. Or her, his dad, he did this. But he didn't. He didn't do that. He, he, he was addressing a few things, I think. And one of the things he was addressing, that it wasn't sin necessarily directly the result of his parents or him. And he says this in verse 3. Listen to what he says. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Oh, how beautiful is that? That the works of God should be revealed in him. In other words, so that God can be glorified in this man. Okay, so you say to me, so Barry, did this man, was this man born blind so that one day Jesus would come to this earth and he would actually come across this man, he would heal this man and God would be glorified? Amen. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. Okay. So the temptation is this. Does this man, every man born blind, that's the same purpose for them? No. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say every man born blind, this is the same reason for him. No, he says for this man, this man was born so that the works of God can be glorified in him. Wow. This man had to wait this long for the works of God to be glorified in him? Amen. How many of us in the church have, have waited so many years to become Christians and then they've realized maybe they're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and they've realized, oh, what have I been waiting for? Of course, that's life. But this man here, this man was born that the works of God can be glorified in him. And they were, and they were. And I'm sure this man would have looked back and thought, praise the Lord, praise God for Jesus and all he did and all he did in my life. But let me tell you something, though. Yes, it is specifically this man and his blindness that he was born for. But let me tell you something very, very important. Every living soul that God, by his grace, has allowed to live on this earth, that's you, that's me, 
every living soul is on this earth so that always, also the works of God can be glorified in you. Did you know that? There is not a living soul, I believe, according to the scriptures, there's not a living soul on this earth that is somehow exempt or, or um, denied the opportunity for the works of God to be working in them so that God is glorified. All things were created by God and for God. And all things, all living souls today, have an opportunity to have allow the work of God to be working in their life so that God himself can be glorified in your life. I want to ask you this morning, what does that do for you? Do you think to yourself, oh, you know what, what, what's my life? What's the point of my life? Do you think to yourself, there's no point to my life? I just go through the motions of life and what's the, the routine of life? Yeah, for sure. That's what the enemy is going to whisper. But if you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you this morning, if you've trusted and given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, your soul, your life is here in existence to so that the works of God may work in you and that God himself is glorified. And I think that is the best reason to live life. Imagine giving your life as a teenager. Whoa, you got all your life to do this now. That is amazing. That is amazing. And so you give your life to Jesus because you are now um, in a place where God is going to work his life in you. Don't fight God. Stop fighting God. Allow God to work his works in you. And as the Bible says, let the works of God be revealed in you. Look at verse 4. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming and when no one can work, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, there's going to come a time where it's dark and no one's going to be able to work. But he says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Now, I thought about this and I thought, well, you know what? Today as Christians, we continue to be in this world for Jesus. So I think Today, there is still the opportunity for people to see the light because we as Christians allow Jesus to live in us and to be this light. Don't block this light. Remember um, a few weeks ago, we spoke about the light of life. You can live life, but you need to have the light of life. This is the light of life that allows people to see and bring them out of darkness, bring them out of a place of hopelessness, bring them out of a place of blindness and allow God's light to shine in their hearts. If you resist God, if you fight God, you will never know the light of life. And this morning I'm asking you to surrender, to stop playing Christianity, stop playing church and allow your life to, um, to come to a place where it's only Jesus that is living and reigning and doing what he has to do in you. And if, you're, if things are triggered in your heart, things are triggered to reveal who you are, then take that as an opportunity to say, God, I don't want this anymore. I give this up for you. I want Christ to be revealed in me. He is still a light through us. Verse 6. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. Beautiful. What a beautiful passage. And maybe this might be the last verses we read this morning. What a beautiful passage. Jesus took saliva. <laughs> He spat on the ground. Uh, you think, oh, that's gross. Not really. It's not gross. Mate, 
If Jesus spat in my face, I'd be happy. It's not gross. It's the son of God. It's the son of God. But he spat on the ground. He made saliva. Uh, so he made like mud. And he anointed the man's eyes. He covered his eyes. Why did he even do that? I don't know. I don't know. You know, you, we, we can speculate why he used that as a method. Maybe, maybe he was reminding the man that from dust he was, how fragile he was, and that the God who made man from dust and created this marvellous being called Adam, the man, God who did that, is able to restore his own sights because this is the God of creation who made man from dirt, made man from the earth, and now he's going back to the dirt to say, listen, remember, I'm God, you're not. Well, he's God and you're not. So he spat on the ground, he made mud, he went and he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man, the man went and washed, the man went and washed and he came back seeing. He came back able to see. He came back now able to all of a sudden see what was going on around in life. Now, interestingly, Jesus isn't the first person he comes across. And we're going to look at why that happens later. He's not the first person he comes across, but he comes back and he's able to see. What are the instructions of Jesus? Go and wash. Brothers and sisters, if you're feeling blind or a place of hopelessness or you're in darkness, or you're playing life, or you're playing Christianity, and you're in your sin, I haven't got any other counsel for you at the moment than the counsel of Jesus. Go and wash. Go and wash. Come to Jesus and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb, because I guarantee you, when you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, you will come back seeing. What are you fighting for? What counsel is people giving you? What counsel are people giving you to get out of your situation? Are they telling you, go read a book? Are they telling you, go listen to this message? Are they telling you to um, uh, go talk to this person? What counsel is people giving you? Are they telling you to think harder or be more motivated? What counsel is people telling you? What counsel are they telling you? I'm telling you something very, very simple. You need to go and wash in the blood of the Lamb. Allow Jesus to forgive and cleanse of the sin in your life and come to a place of absolute surrender and stop fighting God. He did that. He came back seen. And the Bible says, Therefore the neighbours and those who previously had seen that he was born, sorry, who had previously had seen that he was born blind or blind said, Is not this who sat, he who sat and bent? Some said, This is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. <laughs> Don't you find that fascinating? He came back and the Bible says his neighbours, I mean, were they that interested in him before? It's very interesting. His neighbours said, isn't this the man that was begging before? And then the Bible says, uh, some said it is him and some said it's like him. Why couldn't they recognise him? Why couldn't they recognise this man, his, their neighbour? 
Why couldn't they recognize that this was the same person? Was it because before his eyes were all maybe closed and crusty and all of a sudden his eyes are opened and they can see big, beautiful brown eyes? And all of a sudden his fate, his expression changed because now what they could see wasn't closed, crusty eyes and the big, beautiful brown eyes or big, beautiful blue eyes, whatever he had. And all of a sudden it was so amazing that they were like they couldn't recognize him. Or was it because he had such a joy on his face from the salvation of the Lord that they thought, wow, is this the same man? Because his face was lit up with joy and his character changed. What was it that this, they couldn't recognize this man? But I tell you the truth, beloved. When the Lord Jesus Christ touches your heart and you're moved and you come into a place of faith, there are so many things about you that are unrecognisable. There are so many things about you that people just can't understand. How in the world did this happen? Because this is called salvation. This is called truth. When you've, when you've battled with things for so many years and you've battled with things for all your life and you've been in a place of, of darkness for all your life or there are things that have always haunted you or, or, bound, or, or to bind you or to, to somehow grip you and all of a sudden you're set free from these things because you come in surrender in a place for Jesus Christ. All of a sudden you look, your face is different. People can't recognise the very change in your heart because this is the work of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. If you fight God, you'll never know this, the experience of this salvation. If you fight God, you'll never know the truth of God. If you fight God, you'll never know this saving grace and saving rest and saving peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you do, there is a change in your heart. There is a change in your life. And you say, Lord, enough. I'm, stop, I'm stopping my fight and I'm relinquishing control. I'm saying, Jesus, take it all. There's something that happens and all of a sudden it can be that people aren't able to recognize and unable to comprehend just how amazing God's grace is and you become the light of life to them. And brothers and sisters, this morning, if you're in a place that you think to yourself, you know what, I can see, I'm okay, and yet your life doesn't align with your beliefs, but I'm telling you, there are good chances that you're blind and you're playing church, you're playing Christianity until you come to a place and say, Lord, I believe. I surrender. Lord, it's not me who lives, but you that live in me. Lord, I come to a place and I go in obedience and I wash in the blood of the Lamb and allow your Holy Spirit to work in my life that I, my life may be changed to a point, even to a point where it's not recognised by others. Because what they will see is not me, but they'll see Christ. And this morning I want to pray for us. I want to pray that what we see and rather what we do and how we respond is not a response of the flesh. It's not like, yes, I'm going to change and get better. But no, a place of Lord brokenness and a capacity that says, Lord, I can't do this. Just like the blind man. There was no way in the world this man could make himself see again. No matter how hard he tried, he couldn't make himself see again. But he came to a place and the Lord Jesus came to him. And this interaction, you come before the Lord this morning and say, Lord, here I am. You've got to do this work in me. But I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you what is needed in me. Here it is, Lord. Make me like your son. And I believe by faith he will begin a work or start a work or continue a work that is remarkable. That is remarkable that you come back seen, that you come back lit by the glory of God. This is the faith we have in Jesus. And this is what I want us to pray for this morning. So let's bow our heads this morning and pray. Let's ask the Lord's uh, hand to be upon us. If we've been fighting God, if we've been fighting God and saying, just resisting the truth and resisting what God is trying to tell us, 
that we're not going to find and experience the salvation of God. We're not going to experience the freedom that is in Christ. We're not going to experience the joy and peace that's found in Jesus. He is our light and he is our sight. This morning as we pray, I ask you to just examine your, your heart and ask the Lord to show you whether you've been fighting against him or whether you've been surrendering. The things that come out of your mouth, the way you live, what you think about, are you fighting against him or are you surrendering? Just take a moment to think and to reflect. Father, I want to thank you for every single person that has been here this morning listening to your word. Father, I'm nothing. I'm nothing, Lord. I just, uh, I just want to communicate your word faithfully to your people. But I know through my own experience, Lord, that if I fight against you, there is no joy. If I fight against you, Lord, there is no peace. There is no freedom. So, Lord, I surrender that you would have your way and your will in my life. Just like, Lord God, I pray for those who are listening this morning who also want to know more and more and go deeper and deeper in their faith, to know this undeniable love, to be unmoved and unshaken. I pray they also, Father, come to a place of absolute surrender. Father, I pray you move in their hearts, encourage their faith, strengthen their souls and light up their face with the glory of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.